good morning, good whatever, and welcome back to Sudden But Inevitable. Sudden But Inevitable, of course, is the sci-fi rewatch podcast for brown coats, bounty hunters, first-timers, and seasoned space jerks alike. I, of course, am your host, Vanilla Husband, a.k.a. Captain Bootscoot, a.k.a. Jesse. With me, as always, this week to break down the wonderful episode of live-action Cowboy Bebop that we are currently covering for our third season is my very longtime friend and very good co-host, Josh. Josh, welcome back to Sudden But Inevitable. How has your week been, my friend? Uh, it has been crazy, but it has been good. Um, I just want to say, hello, Meg. You can bug us anytime you want. Thanks thanks for, for stopping in. It's It's great to see you in here. And everybody else in the live chat. Oh, my goodness. There's just so much love all the time. It's Rona, Callie. Ah, it's great. It's great to see everyone again. So just, you know, reminding me how awesome Friday nights are. That's all. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I agree with you 100%, Josh. And and I got to say, at this point, crazy weeks, man, those those are uh, basically the norm for us, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. That's just kind of how our weeks go now. But mm -hmm. you know what? The end of those weeks always ends up here at Sudden But Inevitable, which is mm -hmm. pretty much the coolest thing. Now, I got to say hello to all the people in the chat as well. I am so happy to have you all with us. Meg just had her hair redone. Ladies and gentlemen, if you know anything about Meg, you know that she has amazing hair. So go to Twitter and follow her. She's going to put her Twitter handle in the chat. It's very difficult to say, Meg. I, I can spell it, but I can't say it. So just here to remind us about our car's extended warranty. Thank you. Meg. And for those of you wondering in podcast land, her last name literally is Griffin. So if at any point you feel compelled, go ahead. Now, even, oh man, it's a good thing you put Megan because <laughs> didn't even put that together until you said it. <laughs> of course, Josh and I are not the only two people here at Sudden But Inevitable. Of course, we have to introduce you to a very good friend of ours. And of course, his name is Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. How are you doing this week, my friend? I'm doing pretty good. You can tell I'm in a different location right now. I was getting ready to join our podcast, and it's turned out some of my new technology failed me. So I was able to get some old pieces of technology. I channeled my inner Kaylee. I duct taped them together. I welded a little bit, and I was able to make it here. You know, Are you watching Bebop really, in the background? <laughs> it's really... Yeah. <laughs> well, you should be doing that at all time to help the algorithm. But, um, you know, it's funny that you made a Kaylee analogy because i would say it's much more uh, analogous to sean connery's recording of the introductory narration to highlander which was done in his bathroom uh we'll leave that at that now ladies and gentlemen i have to say we have sudden but inevitable royalty here in the chat with us it is miss rosie leon she has of course been one of our biggest supporters since day one here at sudden but inevitable she hooked us up with all of the coolest brown coats that we have met she got us in touch with Susie, who got us in touch with adam freaking baldwin you may know him <laughs> as jane cobb from the show firefly just throwing it out there if you haven't heard the episode jane's pod go back listen to it i promise you won't be disappointed now the last person that we have to introduce, because as we do here, we bring a guest every week, of course. We are bringing back a very, very cool, very special guest. This person is smarter than anyone else on the screen. He probably has more love for the original Cowboy Bebop anime than anyone on the screen. And that makes him the Cowboy Bebop superfan that we like to call Philip K. Phil, welcome back to Sudden But Inevitable. How are you doing, my friend? 
Doing well. Glad to be back. I can't tell you how excited we are to have you back. This is one of those things where I was like, when we finished Cowboy Bebop, I went, oh, I kind of wanted to do more episodes with Phil. And again, this show might have gotten canceled because of us. So, <laughs> um Oops. I guess I guess I feel bad again for for wanting to do episodes, but hey, Phil is here, you guys. Even though that Yay. I jinxed Cowboy Bebop to do it, if that's what it takes, you know, here we are. Now, of course, you know that I'm totally kidding. We are very staunchly in the hashtag Save Cowboy Bebop camp here at Sudden But Inevitable, and along those lines, I gotta say we are feeling the love from the Cowboy Bebop community, ladies and gentlemen. In our last week, we have had just an explosion of support in downloads and on Twitter. And uh, it's the kind of thing that it really, really touches us in a real true way because this show is a lot of fun to do and we really do it, you know, for each other and to have fun. And But to see that other people are enjoying it really just puts us over the top and it makes it a lot easier for us to put a show together every Friday night. I don't know about you guys, but even if the week was long, I'm like, you know what? people like hanging out with us and i'm good enough i'm smart enough and doggone it people like <laughs> us so here we are at sudden but inevitable and i am just so happy to have you all with me on the screen i'm so happy to have you all with me in the chat i love that our chat talks to everyone else in our chat it's like this big found family you guys it's just a pile of brown coats and bounty hunters as i said before now Last bit of ship's business before we jump into the show proper. I would like to say hello to the states of Maine and Kentucky. You may remember back on our episode of Slither that we uh, did with Cameron from Greenshirt, we called out some of the states that we hadn't been listened to in yet. And I, but only because I have a compulsion to see that map light up in all fifty spots, right? I Not because all it, about it, that, dude. The map is like. If you could, it's like a progress bar in a video game, right? If it's sitting at like ninety eight percent, and you know it's at ninety eight percent, like you can see that progress bar throughout your day. Like, and I remember you know. how much, how seriously you took Pokemon and getting every last one of them, little bitches. <laughs> so, like, I could see you just looking at maps and being like, "Well, that one's not filled in yet. We got to find a way to fill that in." Like, I need it's... to level up. <laughs> and then Jesse's gonna find a way to like monitor each county. And he's gonna like zoom in tighter. He's gonna need listeners from every single county in the United nope. States. We'll just we'll nope. just repurpose just want, the COVID I, tracker. It'll be great. I just feel that the key here to remember, gentlemen, is that there are brown coats in every state. And and we do nothing but pour out love for brown coats. And we initiated brown coats in our first season, like bounty hunters, people that are resistant to anime. I forced those people through Cowboy Bebop. Like, I, that's what I mean when I say we should be in all 50 states. I think that that's the kind of thing that somebody in every state can relate to because I have had a lot of fun. And I know that at least a couple of the listeners have had fun. I'm not going to speak for Ricky D. Um, <laughs> Josh has had a good time, though. I know Josh has had a lot of fun. Um, always Megan, having a good time. Let's, let's be honest. <laughs> Megan may have heard me say brownie hunters. I th I think I tried to say bounty hunters, but I think I like I like brownie hunters because we do like brownies. Go ahead, Ricky D. Episode name dibs. <laughs> uh, I was just gonna say I may not like the way that you're dragging me through this, but I appreciate the experience. That's what I appreciate the most about Ricky D. He he understands the value of the thing, even if uh, the thing is being done against his will. Um, <laughs> So, 
fun story from our friend Megan. She has never seen an episode of Cowboy Bebop. That's okay, Meg. Uh, we're about to spoil the second episode of the live action series, so you should probably throw it on in the background and listen to us in one ear and Cowboy Bebop in the other ear and then turn us off and watch Cowboy Bebop instead and then come back. You know where we are. But I love you. If you want to hang out, I'm going to support that all the way through. Now, you know who has seen an episode of Cowboy Bebop? Our friend Phil and Josh and Ricky D. We've all seen an episode of Cowboy Bebop. In fact, we've all seen all episodes of Cowboy Bebop. But this week... In particular, we are here to talk about Cowboy Bebop Live Action Episode 2, Venus Pop. Josh, my very good friend, longtime co-host, if you don't mind, please give us the synopsis for Venus Pop. All right. Well, chasing a bounty on a one-handed Venusian bomber, Jet and Spike grapple with rising interpersonal tensions, exasperated by Spike's seeker past. This episode was directed by Alex Garcia Lopez, and it was written by Christopher Yost, Sean Cummings, uh, and Carl Carl Taro Greenfield was the executive story writer. It stars John Cho, Mustafa Shakir, and Danila Danila, isn't it? Or Daniela? It's Daniela. Daniela. Huh? Daniela Pineda. Pineda. <laughs> um, I don't know what Megan is doing. I think the legal word for it is slander. <laughs> um. She claims that I told her not to watch this series and that I should only watch the one that she was going to be on. I believe what she is referring to is the fact that she said, I'll be honest with you, I haven't watched it and I don't plan to. And I said, that's okay. Maybe just watch the one that I would have you guest on for perspective, right? As somebody who's never seen a thing. But I think we can all agree she has thoroughly disqualified herself from the season. So when's Carla coming back? Yeah, we're we're working on Carla. Don't worry. Ricky. Okay, thank you. Technically, Jesse, it'd be it'd be libel as it's written because ah, because it's thank you. because it's written. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe at the start of this podcast, I told you that Phil was smarter than everybody on the screen, and I really appreciate you proving that in that moment, Phil. Phil has uh, spoken. Look at look at no denial from from Meg. <laughs> potato, potato. Yeah. So okay, there we go. Yeah, uh, Rona, I did not tell her not to do a thing. She is admitting here that what I said was the way that it, you know what we're gonna move on. I don't I don't need to always be right. I've been accused of that before in my life. Now this episode is I mean this starts out this episode starts out right away like Josh was saying. We have okay it's a we've we've talked about how this is a mishmash of other episodes of the original Cowboy Bebop and, you know, new improvisations based on pieces of old episodes of Cowboy Bebop, this, that, and the other thing. Everybody knows how Josh and Ricky and I feel about the series in general. So, let's let's give Phil a moment to recap. Phil, give us just a really quick brief history of you and the anime, and then... Give us a quick recap of your feelings of the first episode, which you were not here for, but I'm talking like two minutes. Go ahead, my friend. So first came across Cowboy Bebop kind of randomly, thanks to Adult Swim, uh, stumbled across a couple episodes here and there, watched a bunch of it out of order, and was pretty much hooked instantly. Have, you know, watched it off and on over and over again over the last, you know, almost 15 years probably yeah have you know had an opportunity to meet uh shinichiro watanabe the uh original creator of cowboy bebop 
which was pretty awesome. Um, and just in general have been, you know, a, a pretty diehard fan of the show. The live action blew me away. I, I was expecting, you know, some of the changes that I, that we were going to see from the anime to the live action version, but for expanding on the world as much as they have done for giving more, the characters more development all the way across the board for uh, just their dedication to some of the details throughout with costuming, with backgrounds, with everything, with the music, with getting Yoko Kano and the seatbelts back together. I, I think it is one of the most earnest and heartfelt adaptations I've ever seen. I'm going to have to agree with you 100%. I, I, and I really appreciate those two words uh, being used to describe it because for me, if there's no other quality that comes through on a first watch for somebody who, for example, has no frame of reference, I would think that that would come through. Like, oh, these people really cared about this thing they made. Like, I have, you know, for example, continuing my hypothetical blank slate person, I don't know what this is. It's very strange. But whoever made it really, really cares about it. I mean, this is a, a really similar set of sentiments that I had and that I do have every time I watch, for example, the movie Highlander. Like, it's weird and it's got some cheese in it, but you can tell that the people that made it really cared about that cheese. And I don't mean to put this on a level with that because I don't think, I think it's not definitely, it's definitely apples to oranges, right? Anime adaptation apples to yeah. oranges? Anyways, <laughs> I, but I feel like y I think you hit the nail on the head, Phil. The heartfelt nature of this is, it really, really shines through. So when you were watching, I love you, Megan. When you were watching, <laughs> The first episode, it starts right away with that. I mean, it's basically the opening scene of the Cowboy Bebop movie, right? And it's just, yeah. it's mixed to be different. And and so R for me, that was the scene where I was hooked. Uh, like I All went, season. okay, I'm totally yeah. in on this. And I know for some people, it took more than that scene. Were you a were you an immediate sell? I, again, the the just they nailed the aesthetic of the universe. I mean. I, I, I was, I was in, I was in right away. That's the one thing I noticed immediately was the aesthetic. Like the, the second he comes out of the elevator with his headphones on and the camera's like a little tilted and like, then you got, you know, the, the view of all the, like the gang members or whatever. Like it's, it was definitely, it hooks you in immediately. And it's just because of, for me, it's because of that different style of filmmaking and like making it you know, kind of true to the anime, you know, and trying to make it the best adaptation that they possibly can, which again goes back to the love for the source material, oh, yeah. which is, that's great. And I mean, with, with any adaptation, there's going to be some give and take on accuracy, but you know, I, I feel like I was <laughs> thinking about it earlier. It's like, you know, if they had done just a shot for shot, straight up straight shot for shot remake of the, uh, of the original anime people would be complaining that they didn't do enough that they didn't try to make it its own thing 
they that they yes. would have just kind of let it be a copy. You know, it's it's funny. I I uh, was talking to uh, a dude the other day um, about this because uh, I was like kind of just eavesdropping on a conversation about anime, and I was like, "Have you guys watched the live action Cowboy Bebop?" And they're like, "Nah, nah, screw that show. It's probably gonna suck." And I was like, "You haven't even." I was like, you haven't even watched it yet. And so, like, I started talking to him about it and being like, well, there's, like, you know, I just watched the episode w- with the Teddy Bomber. And, like, it was very close. Like, it's a different kind of story. Like, it's they have, you know, the same plot points but different plot points. And But but the love is there. And I was like, and, and the, the way that you can see shot for shot on some things, the similarities between this and the anime it's still different in its own way. I actually convinced him to go watch it, so I'm excited to talk to him again and see what he thinks. <laughs> I I actually also have, I, I'm not going to say that it was like a, a difficult conver- conver- conversion, mm-hmm. but I did get somebody to commit to checking it out. So um, if you are out there listening in podcast land or you're watching Sudden But Inevitable for the first time, follow me on Twitter at Sudden But. We are big on the hashtag Save Cowboy Bebop, hashtag More Bebop. That petition is nearing 150,000 signatures. I believe at the time of our last it's, it's episode, it was nearing 100,000. Yeah, today so like it's that's, at 130. That's 30,000 signatures in the last week, my friends. Yeah. So, just, hey, just, uh, it's yeah. Justin. Now, Thanks for and Justin by. makes and a great point, especially does. through Netflix. Historically, anime shows made into live action are not that great, yet even Justin loved this one, and Justin's a bit of a hater. I wouldn't go so far as to call him a troll, <laughs> but I would say Justin is a bit of a hater, so that's impressive. Now, I, I, we do have to get this out of the way. Yes, this show is primarily positive on Bebop all the way through, and if you can't deal with that, that's okay, but look, of, look at it more of an exercise of like, okay, if these guys can like it, maybe there's something there. Watch along with us. I promise we will find something for you to love. And here's the other thing. Phil, you mentioned you mentioned accuracy, and I know you mentioned it for lack of a better term, but I feel like there are so many people on Twitter and in social media making the point like, yeah, it's not exact, but it's this way. And I'm like, are you meaning to imply that you wanted it to be exact? Like like you were saying, people were like, they would complain if it were shot for shot. And to be 100% fair, I think the shot for shot remake is here. It's just interspersed into an original show. Like, there is so much from the original show that is shot for shot. It's just that it's put in a different place. So I, I really like that. Now, to Justin's point about the remakes, Netflix really did basically like... they like repeatedly committed crimes went to jail got out held up a store and then when they got arrested went what what why are you arresting me like they did they did make some really bad adaptations so they were setting themselves up for failure like you have to swing for the fences with cowboy Bebop, oh yeah right and so it's i think it's fair that you know, from the first episode or two that if you didn't have a frame of reference, you could be put off visually. But I feel like even if you were, you would go, okay, this is so weird that I have to know what else is here. Like, I just have to keep watching this. That's, I mean, that's just how I feel about it. Now, now that we've gotten through that, I'm going to take a moment to breathe. Let's talk about the specifically the second episode here. So, so, Phil, what did you think about the placement of the Teddy Bomber so close to the front of the series this time? <laughs> so it, it's fun because uh, my wife and I are rewatching the series uh, 
I, I'm watching it, rewatching it. My wife's watching it for the first time. And we are just about to the uh, Teddy Bomber episode. I think that's actually our next one up. Uh, so we're nearly done. And so seeing, you know, them interspersing something that happens so late is, is kind of interesting. But when you think about how much of the main events of episodes of Cowboy Bebop aren't really critical uh, as far as a chronological setup, it works just fine. I mean, really, uh, the the only thing uh, throughout like most of Bebop that's really critical chronologically is Spike Spitz uh, in the present with Vicious. Everything else is kind of secondary to the timeline. Ricky, you had something though. I yeah, I also want to say uh, a man in his underwear with a giant teddy bear head is also going to be a significant draw for people that don't know what they're doing and they're just entering the show. They're like, the second episode, <laughs> there's this insane man running around in his underwear with a giant teddy bear hat and he's bombing things. I I think that them putting it so earlier in the series is really just to be like, it's kind of eye candy. It's kind of drawing. It's like, oh, I, I don't want to know what else is going on with this show. I, I loved... I loved that. Like, it made me laugh so hard. Like, that's going to be my Halloween costume this year, guys. <laughs> Come on, Josh. That's just going to be, like, what you wear on the weekend, right? Like, you're going to go home. Don't, you're gonna put don't on come your favorite like teddy that. bear mask. I, I, think, I think that's going to be, like, our top live-action Bebop cosplay right there. Teddy <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Screw Spike. It's all about the teddy bomber. You guys, I think we have an intermission video. Should we put on our costumes? I'm just kidding. We don't have we don't have costumes ready to go. Um, I got a banana really quickly though. Right there. To the but to the to the point of that to the point of that that you know chronologic chronological thing, Phil. Yeah. I'm very eloquent tonight. If you can't tell, ladies and gentlemen, I I feel like it's it's important to note that Phil a huge fan of the original anime is telling us, hey, a lot of the stuff in this show chronologically doesn't matter where it goes. Like, please hear that, you you, you jerks out there. Like, relax, okay? There's no canon for this show. It is 26 episodes long. <laughs> like, like Phil said, Spike, Vicious, you got that. You got Cowboy Bebop. As long as there's some music from Yoko Kano in between the start and the end, we're pretty much solid, and and they gave us. I I would still argue they gave us the shot for shot remake. It's in there. It's just that they hit it inside of a really great original story for the most part. Uh, Ricky D, what do you got? Yeah, I think we should come up with a name for all the haters of the Cowboy Bebop, like the Cowboy Ooh. Beep Dorks, or like something. <laughs> I, I wish it way better than that. But yeah, yes. <laughs> way better than that. Well, we'll work. Yeah, let's yeah, workshop it. Of yes. All right, just I'll work on it. <laughs> well, and so, yeah, and, and I appreciate that. And I actually was thinking to myself, because as as much as I hate to admit this, folks, Ricky D and I are similar in some ways. And I was thinking about this, too, but I was thinking about it in the opposite direction, surprisingly. Um, what do we call the the new Bebop fans that are galvanized around this, the, the cancellation of this show, right? Because Firefly has the brown coats, does... Live action cowboy bebop have the blue suits or the the, the somethings, right? Like, That's, do we have? Yeah, <laughs> is is there is there 
because bounty hunters, I mean, clearly is the answer, but it's like, that's just so, it's, it's, it's broad. If you have any ideas, follow me on Twitter at sudden, but tweet them at me, put them in the live chat right now. Megan, I love you. Please maybe just watch an episode before you <laughs> newbie bop. Yeah. Newbie bop. Oh, dang. You guys, Megan is good at this. I, Big dang. shots. Wow. Yeah. You're really good at this, Meg. Speaking of big shots, more like big shot for shot. Am I right? Because the big shot for Bounty Hunter's show here is exactly how we wanted it to be. I feel like that's the one part that if they just went, let's lift all those scenes, <laughs> it'll be fine, right? Because it's so cable access and it's so like, you know, almost Wayne's World level <laughs> TV show, right? Arguably more so than it ever was <laughs> in the uh, in the anime too, with that with Punch and Judy stepping on each other's lines. And her calling him out right away, which which I think we may have mentioned on our bonus episode, a slightly different font. Go back into the feed and check that out. We were like, I like that she got some character right away instead of being forced to sit there. Well, I mean, in the anime, she doesn't really get any uh, characterization until episode 24. Right. And it's <laughs> so. And it's essentially the same that she gets here in this yeah. episode, which, you know, I again, a transposition. It all it all just fits so well. Now, and another like thing, Tally said, they pushed shuffle. Yes, they pressed shuffle deluxe and it turned into something beautiful. I I got to agree big time Callie D. That and again, for those of you listening, uh Callie D, no relation to Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. Uh but uh uh child relation paternal relation wait okay rona in the chat is callie's mother i don't know how to say that eloquently anyways they're not related to ricky d i just think it's cool that there's an actual family in our chat and there's a found family around our show you guys i feel supported and i want to cast the net of support behind live action cowboy bebop and you know i just I love it. And our friend Rosie suggests maybe the Cowboys. I'm digging that too. There are a lot of options here, folks. There will be a lot of options and we will come up with them. Now, to that point of a transposition, a remix, a shuffle. As soon as I saw white cowboy boots, I went, are we getting Andy the Cowboy in this second episode of this? I was so excited for Andy the Cowboy. Now, we didn't really get Andy the Cowboy. And part of me is like, ugh. I want Andy the Cowboy, but another part of me goes, I'm okay with it, because I still get an excellent scene out of this, this up to this point in the series, right? It's the second episode, but this to me feels the most Bruce Lee of the fights we've seen yet, the most Jackie Chan of the fights we've seen yet. There's a lot of like fun bathroom props, there's a lot of good choreography, there's, you know, guns inches from each other's faces style fighting, I just, I love those kinds of fights. One example being the gunfight uh, for the pistol in Mad Max Fury Road. That was like one of my favorite fights ever. Um, but I just, you know, it, it wasn't Andy the cowboy, but it was Gunther the poser assassin. Uh, Josh, what did you think of Gunther the poser assassin? <laughs> well, I, you know, I really liked that whole fight and I loved the interaction between. Um, Jet and him as well when they're like Jet's in the church and he's like Spike what what are you doing like <laughs> like they're always so clueless these two guys are always so clueless around each other like they're the worst partners ever it's right. it's worse than a lethal weapon partnership 
It's worse than uh, I don't know Wild Wild West partnership. Like it's it's just you know, <laughs> dude. <laughs> uh, like really unfortunate <laughs> shout out to our friends at Cheap Seat Reviews. I don't know if you saw that last night, Josh. They did their 378th episode for their eighth anniversary of podcasting. The live one, yeah, yeah. Sean yeah, but they did a live it. episode. I'll I'll edit the number. I'm sorry. I I'm I'm sorry. Um, I watched the whole episode. The only thing I don't remember was what number episode it was. Cheap Seat Cast. I apologize, but they did a live episode, and it was a watch along of Wild Wild West, and oh. That movie is so bad. <laughs> like, I... So I watched it on mute with the whole time. <laughs> and you can, like, you can infer the lines by watching it on mute. And it's it's that, but not in a good way. Like, right. I've told people right. before, I feel like you could watch Mad Max Fury Road in any language and still understand what's happening. Same thing with Wild Wild West, but, like, in a terrible way. Um. Anyways, let's shift and way so yeah to go to go that, back so. to it i think jet is just so gung-ho about all of this stuff and he wants to do everything because all he wants is that doll for his daughter you know that's like but spike is not he's like eh, i don't really i mean and he's and then he starts you know beating up with uh towel boy with the knife and like he <laughs> he's he's like just shut up for a second dude leave me alone <laughs> well to and your point jet like you doesn't were saying understand that like they seem clueless because they will not communicate yeah. with each other. Like, yeah. and, and jet spends a good chunk of the episode going, please communicate with me. <laughs> and Spike <laughs> yeah. is like, no, nah. uh, but not cause I don't like you. And right. But no, like, so it's, it's, it's a weird, I mean, it fits their macho relationship, right? It, it, it definitely fits with what we well, know about Spike and jet. And Spike just doesn't want jet to know anything about him. Spike just wants him to know that he likes to go on bounties and eat noodles. And that's <laughs> about it. I mean, think about it, though. What else is there really to do? I mean, you're, um, you're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> what else is so, there to do? <laughs> Duh. Um, <laughs> Callie in the live chat, I have not seen Wild Wild West. I really want to now, though. Please, if you do, I don't. Don't blame me. Um, yeah, don't expect Blame Sean of Cheap that. Seat Reviews, which is a great podcast. They cover the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. Please go check it out on your favorite podcasting app. Now, I have a question. Um, is there an earpiece? Okay. Rather, I have a statement followed by a question. There is no <laughs> earpiece in Spike's ear <laughs> in this scene. Uh do they all have implants? Is it is it meant to imply that they all have implants? And I have a secondary question um, to whatever answer Phil has for that first question. Phil, <laughs> um, my my understanding was that it was going to be uh, subdermal. So yes. uh, that's what I was yeah, thinking that there that there would be an implant, uh, especially because I mean, you see an earpiece in somebody's ear, and it's you're gonna know. Especially in this setting, it's going to be, right. you know, yeah. a conspicuous thing. So to that point, do you think, and the reason I ask is because I think that same subdermal implant must be the way that the holographic projection and not transporter functions, right? Because it is not a transporter. It is a holographic projector. And it does not create solid objects. But, Sp 
Spike and Julia at the end of this episode seem to be able to see around the room that they're in. Correct? <laughs> like the room full of elders? <laughs> yeah, that's... So that same subdermal implant must provide some way for them to see as holograms, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, there's There's a level of tech built into some things there that... Uh, that I had not expected. I I loved loved the whole hologram uh, calm system thing set up, but I it did leave me wondering a little bit if they uh, did not have basically Jesse's background <laughs> or Josh's background up there going with you know <laughs> the holodeck full on, full on <laughs> holodeck stuff. Yeah. Well, and I the reason I bring it up is because they t- they take the moment to throw the red eye through Vicious's body. Yes. Right, to show you it's not a solid thing. Yeah. But then they also put a gun in his hand, and they show that gun getting scanned in his apartment and then showing up in his hand in the in the syndicate room. So it's like, okay, it's still just a holographic representation of a gun. He just also happens to actually be holding a gun. <laughs> like, so... The, the one part of it was like, how can they see what's going on in there? So there must be a camera. It's probably similar to Alexa now that I think about it. Um, but I do love the effect of, that the, of the building hologram. It's almost mm-hmm. like veins layering over like pieces of a skeleton. And it's it's watching the framework build up is really cool. Yeah. To me, that's really anime. Ye ye. Animish? An- <laughs> Anime-esque. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I, it's, yeah, we're jumping all over this episode, which is something that we do here at Sudden But Inevitable, and that's why we give the synopsis right at the start so that you you don't <laughs> I love uh, that. you know miss yeah. this little ball. Yep, yeah, cool. and the and that whole scene is shot basically in silhouette. So you know me, I was just like sweating through the whole thing. Um, Speaking of, I love the way they did the masks for the elders. So they still have the same creepy face they've got in the anime, but you don't have to, you know, there, there's an explanation for why they all look alike. Right. And it provides a layer of anonymity to mm-hmm. people that would want one, yeah. and, but still to still be present in a room with other people for the sake of intimidation. So mm-hmm. that's that's a beautiful point. Uh, Ricky D, my friend, what have you got? Yeah, I had an interesting observation about that weird red-lighted room, and it's kind of the same observation I had about General Thrawn and his weird lighted room when I did the Best Flicks episode of Star Wars with Josh. Uh, It was episode eight, I think. Uh, But that weird red-lighted room, it looks like a Lady Gaga concert. Oh, you're talking about Snoke? <laughs> Thrawn. Do do not slander Thrawn's name in episode eight ever again, Ricky. <laughs> but he but Josh, you're you're getting the wrong takeaway from this. No, I know, I know. Ricky D knows the name Thrawn. He does. Why is you're that? welcome? Uh again, he was my roommate in college. <laughs> oh, and- it's because I watched uh, I did a Best Flicks episode with Josh for the uh, episodes seven, eight, and nine, and that was my first time watching them. It, maybe my last time watching them. Again, Thrawn is not in those movies, so is, no. is it, was Josh talking about Thrawn during those episodes or something? 
I think I went I'm on a sorry. tangent about how I wanted Thrawn yeah. to be part of the sequel trilogy and how it's Yeah, this is a digression of the highest order because <laughs> now we're asking about an episode that may have happened that Ricky doesn't remember the specifics of and he can't hear us anyway. Wait, no, I definitely remember General Thrawn in those movies. His face is no. melting and stuff. No. 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 No, but, that's But that's it's Snoke. okay. <laughs> nope. Muted. Snoke. Yeah. You, <laughs> Snoke. Right? And I do know General Thrawn's <laughs> name because of Josh. That is 100% Josh's fault that I know of Thrawn. And thank you, Phil. I am speaking of Snoke. And I apologize, Jesse, because you were correct and I said you were wrong. No, uh, I, this is a beautiful moment. I can't believe that we only have it on this quality of audio. Are you effing kidding me right now? Wow. Okay. <sighs> wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to need to recover. Josh, talk about the next scene. Pick a scene and talk about it. You know, the just to further on the hologram scene where they have Vicious and Julia there and like, you know, the the syndicates like you were selling red eye and now you need to kill your wife. Whoops. You know like and that escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah. Like well, dang man, I mean that it's hardcore and and it, to me it's even it just shows how much of a villain Vicious is because he's like, yeah, all right, I guess I'll just do it. And then tries to play it off later, like, I knew there wasn't a bullet in the chamber. Like, shut up. I would say it shows how much of a sociopath he is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and just how absolutely dysfunctional their relationship is. Oh, Um, my goodness, yeah. And manipulative. I mean, it's it's a classic manipulator behavior to... Make a terrible mistake and then go, hey, um, that wasn't a mistake. Like, oh, I thought you were about to apologize. <laughs> I also love that we see a lot more agency uh, out of Julia in yeah everything in the live well, action show. You, but straight across, Phil, how do you feel about just, okay, now Julia and Vicious are married and here's big chunk of the main story of the series how does that strike you as a fan of the original i thought it was a i thought it was a decent move to mix things up a little bit um <laughs> you know you you're we never get um uh, in the anime we never get an established uh concept of where julia was during the whole like three years uh, that you know that time lapsed. We never really knew where she was. At at some point, yeah, she left, but we yeah. don't see her. We don't see her in the present in the anime until you know she shows up in twenty five. Yeah, she's got a much more ethereal presence in the anime. Yeah, which we see her all I through know the flashbacks, but right. And I would say that it's a, an effect that they. Uh, accomplished in a different way, but in the in the next episode, uh, so I'm not going to talk about it right yeah, now. Yeah. But um, I but I do I agree with you 100. percent I like that they gave Julia more to do. I like that they gave her a character. I mean, <laughs> overall, right? You know, you could just put it that way. Um, and the the moment where vicious snaps. And says, "Don't you ever tell me I'm not man enough." Um, it Just feels proves like that I've... he's not man enough. Ugh. What, ugh. Right, like the, only the people things that, that I could call enough. him right now that are not family friendly. <laughs> right. Like, like Callie, cover your that... ears. <laughs> yeah. 
She is the youngest beep, here. Actually, beep, and he's actually, just beep, and he's like just really beep. <laughs> I take that back. Meg is the youngest here. Um, but uh, Callie is a cl- Callie is a close second. Um, but yeah, I just I I feel like that was the. I think for a lot of people that was the moment where they went hashtag not my vicious right yeah or like okay this isn't the same character or I'm not this or I'm not that and it's like okay first of all no maybe it's not the exact same character second of all I would say we don't really know that because we didn't get a lot of vicious in exactly. the original series like it's the same thing as Boba Fett fans going Boba Fett's a weakling now he wouldn't do that it's like really because all we ever saw him do was move real slow and then get killed and get eaten by so, a sarlacc. <laughs> yeah. And a Wilhelm just... scream, which we yes. get when the bomb goes off in yes. uh, in Venus. Oh yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yep. I was going yep. to. I was gonna. I I knew Josh of all people would would pick that out. Um, oh man, ladies and gentlemen, Jesse, and is, emperors. This is getting bad the... here. I don't. I'm not touching this. <laughs> um. I. This is this is what's called stirring the pot, my friends. Uh. I may have lost my train of thought. Uh, I That's apologize. okay. Uh, go back to to Teddy Bomber because Teddy yeah. Bomber oh, is yeah, yeah. one of the funnest characters <laughs> in this. And like, you know, you kind of see him at at the very beginning, right? At the at the church scene, he walks in and you see his face all messed up, and and he runs away from Jet, and then Jet just gets completely annihilated by some church like pillar or what whatever it was. Um, but I, I wanted I to talk was, right there. I think it was a about, flower, like a flower stand, like okay, uh, a metal okay. stand that would be like holding a, the, a flower yeah, pot, something that like that. That makes sense. But I really liked that they changed up the theme music right there. Yeah. Because yes. you get hit, and it was like right at the very beginning, and it's starting to kind of pump it up. And I'm like, oh, are they just going to play the theme music into it? But then, no, they restarted the theme music and played it in a different way. And I've noticed that through a lot of these episodes, that that intro music is still the same, but in a remixed fashion, which is so, I mean, quintessential to the show, basically. It's yeah, really it's What the show is, is a remix. And the, the theme song is just showing you how much of a remix it is. And I, I adore that, and I adore all the music in this to further um, on... on uh, Gosh, I'm gosh. Why do I always draw a blank? I always forget everybody's names. Rosie's Rosie's point <laughs> earlier about the music being so good. It's it is wonderful, and that's what brings me back into this show so much. Like even when I start to feel like it might drag on a little bit, or or something is kind of just off. Because sometimes in this show, it does. There are little scenes you're like, eh, eh, what? Well, could have maybe done without that, but like, meh. It's still awesome, and then the music brings you right back in, and you're like, "Oh yeah, whoa, I'm back," you know. So, I I don't disagree. I I would say that most of the spots where I feel, I think I said it on the last episode, spots where I would have made a different choice weren't things where I went, and therefore I don't like this. It was stuff where I was like, "But I'm fine with it." Just no, like, and that's what like, I'm saying like is like, said. it was yeah. just kind of like, eh, and, uh. well, so and. <laughs> And I remembered what I was talking about, which was vicious. And our friend, since Sarah brought it up last week, you know, you know, not my vicious. This is a disgrace to vicious. It's like, dude, the all we know of vicious is that he is crazy. And this at least gives him some semblance of a reason to be crazy. Like, no, it's not justifiable, but it is at least understandable. Right. Like he's clearly got some kind of complex with his spoiler alert, daddy. And that has given him <laughs> some issues. Right. So it's like. At least they expounded on what we already had. They went, okay, this guy is 
crazy and cold-blooded, what's the kind of thing that could make somebody do that? Now, I'm just going to throw this out there. If you tried to make me kill my wife, yeah, I would hold a grudge against <laughs> you and everybody in your house forever and would love to burn it down in front of you. Like, yes. So at least they gave him a believable motivation, in my opinion. And I think that's what differs so much from the anime, with, with Vicious especially, is Vicious was more of a mysterious character. I remember going through that whole series being like, I kind of want more Vicious. I kind of want to see where that's going to go. And to give him this kind of motivation, like you were saying, makes it just so much more believable that he's a complete psycho. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Well, that he would be willing to go, you know what, I'm going to try and kill everyone in the entire syndicate. Because, like, without some kind of insane motivation, that's an insane choice, right? right. Like, crazy action should require crazy inspiration, and I feel like they got there. I'm going to say hello to our friend Roy, the intrepid DM in the chat. Do yourself a favor, go check out Marvel Canon Madness and check out the Intrepid DM Journeys. Those are two podcasts, part of the Twist My Arm podcast network, along with Sudden But Inevitable. I'm wearing the shirt um, today. Oh, I just, ooh, ooh, look at that. Oh, look at shit. Merchandising. <laughs> Twist My Arm the shirt. Twist My Arm the hat. Twist My Arm uh, the flamethrower. I really kids love was it. Thinking, oh, it's coming. <laughs> we should get. We should get windscreens, like microphone windscreens that, that have, like if that's, po I mean, it would probably not work great, but uh, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm, you guys, I'm, 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 I'm having a, a very good time talking about this episode and it's making it difficult for me to focus um, from the scenes moment to moment. So we're kind of bouncing all around though, because we went to, let's a, go to back, the scene that's, yeah. you know. Let's go back to, okay, we get a big exposition dump here, okay? Spike says, look, dude, I can't help you find this guy in his underwear. I got to go get some noodles. Now, Spike's relationship with noodles is something we all know about. It's something that is prevalent uh, throughout both series. It's something that's important to all of us. We really care about it. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> He's not really getting noodles, though. He's going to Anna's bar. I believe I may have mentioned in our previous episode, I love Anna's bar. Phil, talk to me about... Anna's bar. How do you feel about Anna's bar, Phil? Uh, so brief, brief spoiler. Uh, my line for this week is from a scene at Anna's bar, and I absolutely love the whole nightclub feel of everything. I love the aesthetic. I love the whole like gun check when everyone walks in. There's just a wall of weapons that everyone has turned in. Have a good time. I love that we're getting the establishment of Anna as a, an absolutely no-nonsense kind of person. Anybody tries to start shit in her bar, anyone involved is out. Okay, uh, we have to take a moment. We have to talk about Tamara Tooney. Hold on, hold on. We have to talk about Tamara Tooney. I love <laughs> Tamara Tooney. And yes. she, I, I know her as the... Uh, I believe the mortician from law and order svu my wife is a big svu fan um our friend rona it's 4 25 a.m where she is and suddenly she needs noodles callie <laughs> d her daughter uh where it is not 4 or almost 4 25 says noodles and brownies so um, <laughs> that is the well, official some but inevitable uh bag lunch uh noodles and brownies right there folks uh, make sure that you bring a heating device with you for your lunch <laughs> so we have we have this this episode is them chasing the teddy bomber it's getting this exposition dump from anna who didn't know that spike was still alive this is where we find out 
that Spike didn't used to be called Spike. Spike used to be called Fearless. Josh, when you first heard that name, what were your thoughts? I mean, I thought it was great to bring more backstory into it. Again, you know me. I love the the serialization of things. Like, I love Mm -hmm. the extra exposition, as you were saying. Like, and to to see that now that it seems like a code name for the syndicate, obviously, that, you know, we... Was it in this episode that we find out he worked for it, or was it in the next one? Well, well, I mean, there were hints at it in the first episode. This is the the episode where he first officially says it, but... To your point of it being a code name, it's like that is what makes the name Vicious not a ridiculous name for a person to have. Like, right. Exactly. That's true, too. That's true. Oh, that's it, his code name. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's his outlaw name. Yeah. But I did think it was interesting because we never really heard a different name for him in the anime. So right. it was... It, again, it has... His his name has subsumed his identity, though. Right. But in and in the anime, we have this, there's a little bit of a disconnect between, you know, how things would really be. I'm using the fattest air quotes you can picture. But if, if we're to believe that Spike went, you know, I'm leaving the syndicate and I'm getting out, then shouldn't you probably also change your name? Like, so that's a fair point, right? Like, because... If you're going to change your name and try and hide from a massive criminal underground organization but not leave the solar system that they're operating in, then you got to should have maybe at least change your name, right? I feel like that's a fair thing to go with. So I really like the addition of the Fearless slash Spike Spiegel piece here. Now, question, why would he pick the name Spike Spiegel? Like, is it a, did he pick it because it sounds kind of like a superhero name or because it's sort of... Rolls off the tongue in his jazzy, like... Because that's an obvious bounty hunter cowboy name. <laughs> Come on, man. Your name can't is you, John Wayne? That's a terrible cowboy name. It's going to have to be something else. <laughs> that's it's what I'm Owen saying. Owen Wilson that, joke, that, if you guys That was a remember. terrible cowboy name. Owen Wilson was on point there. But, like, Spike Spiegel? Like, come on. Can't you imagine Spike Spiegel in the jet gang or something? Like, <laughs> It's alliterative. You get... You get the double s i mean it's 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 someone stan lee would have dreamed up it's it's peter parker it's i'm sorry you know, josh oh he i didn't he mean to overwrite <laughs> yeah i didn't mean to overwrite the comment you were spotlighting uh, meg says i'm american i have no reason and then our very good friend roy said just like jesse's code name would be boot scoot that's his <laughs> cowboy name i don't disagree and yes you all bring up good points but i just you know I think it was funny that they had Anna go, okay, not sure, that's your name now. I'll call you Spike. Um, and if if I need to, I should just get a hold of you through the shady fish dealer like normal. <laughs> okay, cool. Will do. Um, you know, uh, barkeep at fishdealer.hut <laughs> slash kiosk. I can't help myself, you guys. Um, so <laughs> uh, my my beautiful friend Megan asks, can my code name be Boogie? And the thing about a code name, Meg, is you're not Someone supposed has to, to give it to you to yourself. But um, because you are family, I would be willing to make an exception. I'm willing to leave that up. Our friend Roy says that it would be a good one, so we can call that Roy she, giving you that name. She does say she prefers Sunnyfish, so I'll flip it around and go Boogie Sunnyfish. Let me just let me throw this sunny all the way boogie? back. 
I'm going to throw this all the way back to Meg's first appearance on Sudden But Inevitable and say that she initially told us her nickname was Space Trash. So I don't know why she's in here trying to change it to Boogie. Mm. But mm. Mm. You guys, could we focus for a moment? <laughs> you know that I love you more than anything. We're trying, Ricky. It's the live chat. Our family is here. We can't just do whatever we want when our family is on the boat with us. You've seen He's Firefly. Like, can you get back to the freaking episode? Now, but that's the, but that's the whole point, watch. right? That's the whole point is that... They're walking around looking for this guy who's bombing places. He's got he's written a manifesto as the Teddy Bomber, and they go to find the demolitions expert at a construction site, and they go, wait, the guy's name is Teddy? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> Your demo Apparently. guy is named Teddy? Come on, guy. You didn't think... Didn't even yeah, try. So... He didn't even try. <laughs> yeah. And, and I do really like this moment, though, from Jet, where he goes, look, dude, We'll give you some of the money. Just tell us where the guy is. Now, I feel like that's a nice little bit of character there, right? Because he, I, I feel like he, Jet is the is the everyman for us, right? Jet is Jet is us in this show. Jet is us. He, he is. He's, on, a, he's just very much an work. audience insert kind of character yeah. in this. S- exactly. At so least, at least in this episode. Right. Well, and in a couple of episodes, I and again, we're going to try and stick to the episode that we're on. But yeah, <laughs> there, I have so many feelings about Jet and everything related to him. Phil, what do you think about Jet having a daughter? I mean, that's new. We have more motivation. I, again, just the expansion on the character backgrounds. And, you know, I he strikes me as in, in the anime, even he strikes me as kind of a divorcee, you know. So seeing <laughs> yeah. seeing him have actual motivation behind why he continues to do what he does and not just try to find some other less you know, less hazardous career. You know, it, it, it makes sense that he's trying to do the best thing he can for for Kimmy while he's still, you know, while he's able to. Yeah, it, to me, it almost gives him the feel of like a trucker, but who's, you know, trying to be home every night at the end of the run, like maybe somebody who does deliveries for, a, I don't know, like a deli service. I've I've had experience with those kinds of folks before where they they drive for 12 hours a night, but they are home every day. Right. Um, it, it really gives Jet that blue collar feel. Yeah. Right? He's just working hard at all times. Now, speaking of blue collar. We get the material analyzing computer here, right, from the series, which <laughs> is, a, is a microwave. It's a microwave attached to an Apple IIe, and I could not be happier about that. But I, I just, the moment where they put the hand in there, and then I do have a question, though. What was the sticking point where he kept going, you know, your machine analyzed the thing? Was that just Spike being, sorry, prickly? Or was there like some kind of message there that I was supposed to get outside of that? Phil, I feel you're better at reading themes than I am. <laughs> no, I, I think it was Spike trying to say, hey, you know, this isn't as big a deal as you're trying to make it seem like. All you had to do was put the thing in the box and hit a button and then wait. Gotcha. <laughs> I mean, he he's out there working with his bonsai more than he did actually, you know, focusing on Teddy's manifesto. 
Yeah. So and so it's kind of like when I say, you know, to make Sudden But Inevitable come out as a podcast in your favorite podcatching app on Monday morning at 6 a.m., I have to take separate pieces of audio streams from the live stream and edit them together in a seamless way and cut out crosstalk and do this and that and the other thing. But really, all I have to do is download a zip file, drop it into my audio editor, and then look for peaks and delete them. Um, Yeah, that still takes three hours, but it's not like some crazy huge process that only I can do, right? But in a situation like this, there's probably some amount of strategy that Jed is using here, right? Like he's trying to intimidate this even more blue collar worker. Like this guy is construction, right? He's trying to intimidate this guy into thinking, I'm not the smartest person in the room. Maybe I should just do what these guys ask me to. Now, in this construction yard with the Teddy Bomber on the very cool space truck full of explosives, this space truck looks just like the space trucks from Heavy Metal Queen in the original series. I will point that out. It was spectacular. Did you guys... Did you guys notice the name of the company that owns the space truck? Negative. I took Fancy. note of it like the first time through, but I didn't right, actually no. focus on it again on the rewatch. So I do not remember. So I didn't take notice the first time through. I only noticed it on this rewatch. And that is that it is owned by Montgomery of the Katarina Montgomery. As oh, in, as in our... Uh... She's Ellis Montgomery's daughter. Mm-hmm. So... I was like, oh, that's a nice nod to the first episode. episode. Very nice. Yeah. So they're building, they're doing these tiny world building things that we talked about, you guys, and you know how I feel about tiny world building. I like my world building tiny and consistent. (laughs) I love that they're setting up the Montgomery Corporation for some huge things here. And I can't wait to hashtag save Cowboy Bebop, get hashtag more Bebop, and see in season two what they were planning to do with the Montgomery Corporation because I know that it was something cool. We got some blue now, sun kind of build up going there. Yes, exactly. Thank you. That's the parallel I was going to. It's like, dude, the Firefly is strong in this series, and I love it. Now, of course, it's just that the Space Cowboy is strong in this series, but I I still do really, really love it. Now, we have Spike and Jet. Meg, you're out of control. <laughs> That's the only way that Meg has ever been in her life, and that is why we love her. You need to keep drinking some of this Snoop Dogg wine and get on your level. <laughs> Meg says, I see Spike and get thirsty because Buffy. She means here, uh, as in I heard the name Spike, and get thirsty because Buffy. That's fair. And our friend Callie D said as much. That's fair. That was the next comment that she made. <laughs> yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah, I just, our Thirsty Chat is a beautiful place to be, ladies and gentlemen. If you would like to join the Thirsty Chat, you can go to youtube.com slash twistmyarmpodcast every Friday night at 8.30 p.m. Can, can that just be the time. name of our chat from now on? Because then thirsty eventually chat. it could be like, you know, it's a Thirsty Chat, you know, brought to you by Pepsi, but not really. <laughs> brought to you by Pepushi. Come on, man. Now, Pip-pum-cola. I would also like to say, <laughs> like to say hello to our wonderful friend mal in the chat mal is a longtime supporter of meg of bedwet behead and was in our last episode mal thank you so much for stopping by we just we can't tell you how much we feel the love and we love having all of you here with us now the yes meg if you would like to join the thirsty chat you can follow me on twitter at sudden butt or you can 
go to our YouTube channel. Or you can follow Josh on Twitter at TwistMyArmCast. You can follow Ricky on Twitter at BestFlixRickyD. Or you can follow Phil on Twitter at FlipWriter. He is not the curator of the Thirsty Chat, but you want to hear what he has to tweet. Trust me, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I think we're at the part where they disagree about where to look for the guy on this ship. Spike pretty logically assumes the guy will be in the cockpit because if you were, you know, trying to get away, uh, that's where you would go. So, Phil, I got to ask, what do you think it was with Jet saying he didn't think he was in the cockpit? Was that just Jet making a mistake or was that Jet just trying to get Spike to work with him like in any way? Uh, I think it's I think there's still a lot of Jet uh, with his cop instincts where he's trying to rely on his partner falling kind of in line with that. And he's not going to get it. I mean, it's not with Spike. <laughs> um, now, I, I think Ricky did give up. He's just gone. He's like, I'm I'm out. <laughs> Thirst chat. Screw you guys. <laughs> Mic drop. Boom. Uh, no, but I, I think I think there's a decent amount of logic in, in Jet's decision. There would be more places for him to hide from them if he went back into like the cargo area. Um, Fair point. If he's not trying to take off right away, you know, if he if he's there, there's a chance now, now that I think about it, there could also be I mean, it is the capital F future. Yeah. So there could be autopilot takeoff. We don't know. Could be. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm I'm with I'm I'm with Spike. Yeah, like he's got he's in the cockpit, right? <laughs> like, dude. And again, this is where that communication disconnect comes, because Spike knows he's like, like come on, he's he's like he's there. Like I I I'm, I promise. <laughs> and the macho part. Yeah, he's like neither he's like, of them wants to give. Yeah, he's like I I used to do nasty things for the syndicate. You know, communication. But he again. can't tell him. Right. And and where I would be if I was being nasty was in the cockpit because, like, you know, I'm just going to go to space. Then I got to say, yeah, Phil, thank you for, for giving me that audio marker because what Josh just said is definitely going to be the audio Easter egg on this week's episode of Sudden But Inevitable. So thank you, Phil, for the I do audio marker. I, I appreciate that. I yeah. That, wow. I mean, sometimes I have to, like, put them together in a way that's almost surreptitious. But Did you see that Jesse's one was brain just, just break right there. That was amazing. I cannot wow. wait. Like, I don't. You know me, okay? I'm always like, let's make that a drop, and then we don't make it a drop. <laughs> I may personally make that into a drop. I it it might happen now. I I'm wow. Sorry. I'm like um, I'm like three quarters <clears throat> of the way through this bottle of wine, so just you know, yeah. okay. <laughs> Good to know how Josh talks with wine in his system. So. Ladies and gentlemen, Themperers in the chat and out there in podcast land, I have to say, I I hope you're having a bit of a good time because we here at Sudden But Inevitable are having a blasty blast. And 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 that's a bit of a callback too. And if you can point to that callback, you know, I'll shout you out on Twitter or something. Uh again, at Sudden 15% But percent off a shirt. So we have this we have this confrontation with the Teddy Let's Bomber. And he is uh, absolutely crazy. unintelligible yes now 
knowing what he says, if you listen to it the first time, you actually can hear him, right? Like, you, oh, that is what he said. Like, I, I missed that big time. Um, I There's a couple of auditory things in this scene that I really love. One of them being when Jet falls back and catches the remote. He lets out a very, very jet, like, it's almost sounded like a lift from the anime, <laughs> honestly. It was, it was, I just really liked it. And I got to say, the one, the one move that Spike does, and then the teddy bomber counters it, and and then flips, and Spike points at him and goes, nice. nice. Like, I love that. <laughs> like, that was just, oh, no, no, wait, you guys. Lest my friend Ricky D attack me, I think that actually may be a moment from next week's episode in which Spike has a, a kung fu showdown with another character who flips over. Yep, I think that's from the next week's episode, you guys. You are right. You are yeah. Right. And he goes, yeah. Yep, he he flips over the... Yeah, yep, my <laughs> yeah, my bad. Nah, you're Anyways, you're good. Let's, we'll just we'll, we'll put that clip from the show in there and it'll be like, see, that's what he's referring to. Nice. But I, I gotta say... Uh, look at that. The live chat doesn't let me get away with anything. I love it. Um, which is part of why I love the live chat. Thank you, Kelly oh, D. Called out. <laughs> this you will notice this happens to me about once, maybe twice a season of Sudden But Inevitable, because we are trying our best to watch these as closely as we can. And I'm gonna be honest, I have seen the first five episodes of live action Cowboy Bebop no less than twenty times each. I've watched through them a lot. Josh and I have been planning ahead this season. Some of the work for this week, as I mentioned last week, was already done. Some of it still needed to be done, and, you know, it was. And we are ready to go, thankfully, because we are a professional, award-winning amateur podcast here at Sudden But Inevitable. Now, the moment of... I could see it. I could see where some people would read it as oversweet when Jet is standing on the mine... He's like, all right, here's the plan. And Spike, without a word, just pushes him off and goes, look, man, I would probably do all the three things I already did in this episode. Why don't you go take care of the thing and come back and get me? It's a little bit like we know these characters aren't going to die, right? Like it's there's, neither one of these characters has this isn't going to be their last episode. So for them to have a real like bro moment, a bro-ment, if you will, I think that's what it was there to serve. Right, it was just there to 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 give us that bro moment of, look, I recognize that I messed up, and I'm sorry. I'm I'm still not gonna give you what you're looking for, which is an answer as to where I was and maybe what my past is. But I do apologize for being unavailable and unreliable in this one instance. Right. Yeah. So I I did really like that. Um, Josh is no longer on the screen and that's okay but when he gets back I, I have a question for him but first I'll put it to you Phil do you think Sorry, oh I never mind laugh. there he is this, this chat is really good to be <laughs> oh it's bad it is bad in the chat and by bad I mean gold like it is if we did if we did if we were if we kept relaying just the chat this episode may never end my friends so that is why we are making every effort Josh I have to ask you this question because I know when we watched through the original anime, you were really upset at the end of the Toys in the Attic episode because we didn't get, fat air quotes again, resolution, right? You just went, everybody was sick and the alien and what's going on? They didn't tell us. And I went, eh, it doesn't matter. Everyone's fine. So we get a sort of a similar yeah. thing here where Spike goes, hey, man, just go take care of everything. And then, you know, 
we are sort of assume that everything went fine because Spike is still alive, Jed is still alive, they're back together, they've, you know, got this bounty turned in. So did well, it bug you that there wasn't a, a specific resolution and it kind of ended with them just like walking out or were you like, okay, you know, because I know it's long serialization instead of short serialization, i okay exactly with it. that's exactly what I was going to say is the long serialization of it is what I was like, yeah, that was, that was cool. I could handle that. Maybe they'll bring him back around later. Maybe they'll bring the story back around later in season two. Womp womp. So yeah, that, I, I mean- a lot of the times when I'm watching these kind of shows, knowing that there's going to be an overarching story, that they 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 may like bring back different characters later on, you know, and it yeah. just I I wasn't too worried about anything, you know. I agree. Now, I did mention that we will try to get through this. So Meg says, "Why does it have to be a bromance? Can it just be a moment? Broke up, bromance, bromance. Good lord, why do bros?" <laughs> She said, why do bros need their own words? <laughs> you need to watch Hawkeye and watch the tracksuit mafia guys. <laughs> so absolutely. <laughs> but I will I will point out, Meg, the point the reason that I said Broment was to indicate that both of these characters feel that they're the most macho dude in the inst in this moment, right? So they're both trying to outbro one another. It is a bro moment. I'm Bro-me. not saying that bros deserve their own language, bro. Jeez. So I I have to Ooh, Ernbrew. They're talking about Ernbrew in the chat. You guys, this is this could go off the rails quickly. <laughs> like, what is um, happening? So So we have this we have this very cool I love the shot of the Teddy Bomber. This is basically the end of the episode and then we'll jump into our segments. But I love this shot of the Teddy Bomber where he is standing in front of what was the airlock leading into the cockpit, which just got like almost like a James Gunn moment of physical humor where he's like, dude, it's just space debris. And then it destroys the entire front of that space truck. Like that felt almost guardians of the galaxy style, physical humor to me, uh, almost a cutaway. But then we have that. I just love that shot, the concentric circles because it fits so well with how like a semi truck would be right. Like with those connecting pieces, but like translated into a spaceship. And I just, you guys, I feel like a little kid when I watch this show, even though it's definitely not for little kids. Definitely nailing the uh, aesthetic from the anime with the appearance of that truck. I'd I'd love to see a take on Heavy Metal Queen. I was going to say, it makes you certain that they were going to do Heavy Metal Queen in season two because they went, look, it's here. This is this is uh, Chekhov's truck. Like, <laughs> Well, and... Uh... VT's husband gets uh, gets some references later on in the uh, in the live action adaptation too. Yep. Yeah, I I it's I will point this out too. Meg, our friend Mal in the chat says I appreciate the meta use of the term bromant. Jesse, thank you, Mal. I, <laughs> I do too. And that's why we do it, Meg. Now, I I yeah I just it, it's. I think that that's a perfect point, Phil. Like it's it's another amazing translation. It's another perfect encapsulation of just those little details that feel so right to this universe for all of us. Yeah. Now, I'm gonna do that thing that I do, where I break your heart into a million pieces. No, I can't. Where I say. If there's anything you guys feel like we have to talk about, let's talk about it now. So let's start with our friend Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. Is there anything from this episode that you feel I have blown past or not spent enough time on? I'm going to assume no. 
<laughs> no, I've got one thing. Uh, there was a moment very early on where Spike had a fight with that syndicate guy in the bathroom. Yeah. And I feel like we kind of glossed over that, so I did want to take a moment to go back there and talk about that scene. Uh, that's where I've got my shot of the show from. And I just I thought it was really great. Uh, Spike saw the knife kind of hidden up the guy's sleeve. So he was already prepared. He knew what was going on. He's been kind of expecting an attack from the syndicate. So he's keyed into it. And then that whole scene was really good. It kind of felt like an old style Matrix fight scene where they're both like extremely evenly matched, like Neo versus uh, Agent Smith. And they're just constantly countering each other and they can't get a uh, good shot in. I really liked that fight scene. It was absolutely stellar uh, cinematography. The fight choreography was beautiful and just and I I do love the way that it ends. Like I was just gonna bring that up. Like who's all the you? way down? He's like, yeah. I'll never tell you. And he's just like oh, All right. Fine. <laughs> so casual too. Like it's you can see and if you watch that moment, you can actually see on John Cho's face, and this actually might be one of my favorite John Choments in this episode. Holy shit. You can see on his face that did, did, he realizes John the... Chilman? What what did that come? Yes. Is that yours? Yeah. <laughs> you can see on his face that he realizes the world of BS he's about to bring on himself by killing this guy. And then he goes, Yeah, you know what? I could probably handle it. And then he just blows this dude away. And it's shot of it's, the show. Yeah, I just there's so I I Meg, I don't know. <laughs> Dude, that has to be a segment now. Like, we have to make that a freaking segment. We can, like, there's, we will. What's, you what's know your what? John Toman of the show? Like, uh, you know what, Josh? Let's run that up the ladder and see what the producers say. Oh my god. Uh, I think they're okay with it. So, we'll we'll work that in next week. Um, our f- Megan has ascended. Our friend Mal says, "I don't have a husband, Kelly, so I guess that's the trade-off." Um, oh I don't. <laughs> John Cho and the there's a lot of again the sudden but inevitable thirst chat is where you want to be. I I if I weren't on this show I would be in the chat. Um, uh, thank you Ricky D for mentioning that moment and I I like the color palette there. It feels really bathroomy. Like you can feel the the for lack of a better term the humidity of the room that they're in, um, which I think just adds this this layer of Atmosphere. realism to it. Yeah, the visuals. <laughs> we we talk about the visuals and the effects in this, and, and just, I, I have to say really quickly, a very, very cool thing happened to us on Twitter. Um, Kim Houston, who is the visual effects supervisor for this show, we followed her on Twitter, and she checked out part of our last episode, and she said on Twitter, and I quote, people have their opinions, and they're allowed, but I personally appreciate that your opinions are mostly unbridled love and excitement for the show, and I feel like if if you've been listening up to this point, you know that that's true. She is not just saying that, because that's just how we are here. Um, yes, I, I can't believe that Meg hasn't been in our chat um, in every episode, really. I think it's because she has trouble finding the chat. <laughs> I, I feel like Meg gets lost a lot. Yes. And and I have to push forward as a semi-professional and say, Phil, do you feel like there's anything in this episode that we have to talk about before we move into our weekly segments? Um, I, I just want to 
mention one thing that is kind of related. Again, I, I said that, you know, my line for this week comes from the whole bit in uh, uh, in Anna's bar. Um, Gren. Yes. Oh, I yes. absolutely, absolutely love how they are handling the character of Gren uh, in, in the live action Bebop because uh, so Mason Alexander Park, who, who plays Gren, uh, I, I absolutely love them. Uh, and I cannot wait to see them hopefully later this year. Uh, also on Netflix, uh, with mm-hmm. the live action adaptation of Neil Gaiman's Sandman comics. Yes. Because they are playing Desire of the Endless, and it's gonna be it's gonna be spectacular. Of, of all the things that people have seemed to mostly agree on uh, as a positive for this show, uh, one of them is definitely Mason Alexander Park's performance as Gren. Yeah, they are, they knocked it out of the park. <laughs> they absolutely they're did. Transcendent and graceful. And if if you follow us on Twitter at Sudden But, you will see today um, recently. Uh, Mason Alexander Park posted a photo of a new tattoo that they got um, <gasps> over an injury that they sustained while filming oh, Cowboy shit. Bebop. And that tattoo says, whatever happens, happens. And I just, like, I have goosebumps. I I think Phil may have goosebumps. A little I don't bit. know that Ricky D is capable of goosebumps. But yeah, so I just, it, it's like, this show is so heartfelt and genuine, like you were saying at the start, Phil, and I feel like that's really coming through tonight in the chat. So if you if you feel like you have to talk more about Gren or Mason Alexander Park, I fully understand. Uh, but if not, I think we can go ahead and move into our segments. What nah, do you say, Phil? I, I think that about covered it for me, Josh. Sounds good to me. No, that that was all I wanted to cover was Gren. I really just loved the introduction of her, especially just that whole bar scene. It's a them, Josh. And the, I'm, I'm sorry. The pronoun I'm sorry. is them. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, okay. I yeah, but it was you know it was a, it was a great introduction. Um, yeah, and I I would like to see more of them for sure. Yeah, I I like that they're getting an expanded role rather Did, than again just being a bit part see, in one I episode. I guess I don't remember a lot two, of the rest of the season, which is kind of cool because I binged this really hard when it first yeah. came out. And so I don't remember if they're in more episodes. Basically oh, yeah. any any episode where we have a scene set at Anna's at some point we'll see Gren. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And the thing that I love about the expansion of the role to your point, Phil, is that it, it did go beyond, you know, soldier with a sad back. Yeah. Right? Like which which I'm not against. It's just like we have we have seen that and story and before. still ties <laughs> them into syndicate connections and through to vicious, but a hundred percent. And the attitude is just mwah. Yeah. Now, I think with that, my beautiful friends, let's go ahead and move into our weekly segments. The first of course, which is Shot of the Cho. You have got to stop doing that, Jesse. We're just <laughs> we're just gonna need a, we're just gonna need a strike through on the gra- on the graphic there and just oh have a show. Over the top of it. <laughs> what? <laughs> I can't I can't help myself. You know how it is. Uh, so, uh, Josh, are we going in chronological order, my friend? Is the shot that I can see the first shot up? Um, or shall we? Or no, shall we, we, have we can our go. Did you want to go in like uh, time? No, I order? was gonna have. 
I was going to have Phil go first since he is the okay. guest, and I feel like that's the most polite way to go. Absolutely. So, Phil, so if you is... wouldn't mind talking about this show, Josh will give us the time code. Okay. Yeah, it's at the 9 minute and 48 second mark. So this is just, this is everything I love about the visuals of the live action Bebop encapsulated in a single shot. You just, you have Spike being stoic. You've got the massive city in the background and then up as, just up in the foreground, slightly off to the side, you see Spike's ship. You see the swordfish and it is just it is such an anime moment. How about that rule of thirds? <laughs> oh, exactly. No <laughs> Thank you, Ricky. You got foreground, middle ground, background. It's spectacularly divided. It's beautifully well lit. I think it's one of the best shots of the entire season. Yeah. Yeah. You get little, little bits of detail. You've got the little bit of floating city up in the background because, again, they are on Venus. Uh, we, you know, in the anime, we see. Uh, you get uh, just the detail of the tire marks wearing on the uh, on the runway. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I think it's beautiful. Uh, it just, I love it. It is a great shot. If if I had not already been hooked by the first episode, seeing the shot of the swordfish taking off in episode two would have absolutely got me. Yep, I gotta agree with that a hundred percent. And I feel like. The there's not much more I can say about that shot, but to your point about the floating islands, there is another shot in this episode later on in the construction site where you can see the floating islands in the background, and it's very subtle. Mm -hmm. But I remember going, "Oh yeah, this is like ultra sci-fi." Just you sometimes forget because of how grounded such a weird thing can feel. It's it's really impressive. So let's go with uh, Ricky D's shot of the show next. Josh, if you don't mind, give us a time code, and then Ricky, go ahead and tell us about it. Yeah, yeah, it's at the 3 minute and 56 second mark. <laughs> oh, yes. I love it. Here I am. <laughs> uh, so this is in that bathroom fight. Uh, they kind of, John Cho and the guy he's fighting are kind of doing a, taking a moment to relax and reset, and John Cho kind of does this move. And like I was saying earlier, it had some major Matrix vibes. It reminds me of Morpheus when he's dueling Neo and training Neo in that uh, like little dojo area. And he does the like hand flick and he tells Neo to come forward. Uh, it's just very reminiscent of that. And I appreciated this entire scene. Uh, like you guys are saying, the, even just the background, it feels like a gritty bathroom. The whole thing is just really great. I can smell that room. A hundred percent, right? And it's just I—I've been in that bar. It's—it's <laughs> gross, but it's so accurate. And and <laughs> the vibe I got, Ricky D, was like I think we we had mentioned like some Jackie Chan fights, right? Like just fight with whatever is in the room. Like he's wrapping in this shot, he's wrapping the towel from the really weird hand towel '70s bathroom machine that nobody uses anymore. He's wrapping Dude. that up around his hands to like get a better grip. And it's just yeah, it's very much a weekend afternoon karate movie flick that's a deep cut i assume nobody will pick that one up <laughs> but that's basically what we have on the screen here and i just i to the point of the the thirst chat oh hello john cho yes good sir that outfit um it does not end ladies and gentlemen those are just a small sampling of the comments in our thirst chat josh my friend if you don't mind 
bring up your shot of the show and tell us all about it. I'm gonna lose it again. My God, you guys, you guys have gotta stop this. So my shot comes at the 31 minute and 40 second mark. And again, this is like the best shot I could have for my Halloween <laughs> costume this year. And There's your reference shot. This this is why I did it, so then I could refer back to episode two of Sudden but Inevitable, Sudden but Inevitable season three and be like, "There's my my costume. I, I just need the the bear mask." No, um, I really enjoyed the uh, the comedy of this shot where they're like trying to talk to the teddy bomber, and he's just like mumbling in the mask, you know, and and they're like, oh, oh, you're going to blow us up. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Cool. So I, th- this whole scene was, was great to me. And, and especially this like particular shot where they're like, this is the man we're going to, we're going to take in. Yeah. And I, for me, this was the, like, I think in our, in our bonus episode uh, that we did on this, Ricky D had mentioned this this is a moment where you're going okay this is absurd and and like but it somehow doesn't like pull me out of it right like it just makes me feel like i'm in the moment despite being like the a uh, very wacky thing like and for me i think it's the bandana like if he were just <laughs> yeah. wearing a teddy bear mask and his underwear it would be like all right whatever but since he has the bandana on you're like oh that dude's crazy that guy is unstable. <laughs> like it my took friends. time to add extra to the wardrobe. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's oh, I love it. I love it. All right, that is yeah. Josh, my friend, if you wouldn't mind, give me the time code for my own shot because I don't remember it, and then I will talk about it. Is it the seventeen minute and fifty four second mark? Oh wow! Look at that shot. That is beautifully oh. gorgeous. So this is Spike in front of the wall of televisions at Anna's bar. I have to assume personally that this is a bit of a remixed adaptation of the shot from the original opening with all the squares, the blue and white squares on it, and there's like action happening in front of it. This really evokes that one moment of the opening for me, which I think ties Anna's bar into the DNA of the series for me, right? Because now every time I watch the opening, I can go, oh, that's Anna looking down with her thousand eyes at all the stuff going on in her bar. She is the master of her domain. She has eyes and ears all over this place. This is a beautiful set, leather on the walls. I mean, just gorgeous. I get my silhouette. We get our Spike Spiegel. There's alcohol. It's grown up. There's nothing not to like, my friends. I I can't... I cannot deal with this. My friend Meg in the chat is rewriting the Tenacious D song, <laughs> F Her Gently. Um, but she is using con- conversation as a euphemism for the for all the lyrics. So it is happening in the Thirst Chat. Ladies and gentlemen, join us live. YouTube.com slash podcast every Friday night at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Uh, Jesse. Josh, my friend. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, there's there's another uh, matrixy bit with that shot too. Uh, it reminded me very, very much oh, yes. of uh, of the scenes with the architect yes. in uh, in Revolutions, which kind of put me in the mindset of, okay, so is Anna the architect here? Is Spike the architect? Is this a com? Is or you know, I mean, not literally, but. Anna is the eye in the sky. She sees all, right, sort of a thing. And it's definitely a similar sort of uh, character metaphor, right? Like all these screens give you infinite insight into 
the world that you are in. She wants to have absolute control, absolute, you know, certainty over her territory. Which is why she makes you turn your guns in at the front door. It's got to be neutral ground to be able to control it. Now, Josh, my friend, producer extraordinaire of independent podcasts about single season sci-fi space westerns that got canceled before they should have. If you wouldn't mind kicking off our next segment, it is called No Finer One Liner. Finer one-liner, of course, is where we share our favorite moments of dialogue from this week's episodes, those moments that just we can't stop thinking about. Now, of course, I think the best way to do this is to go in basically the same order. So, Josh, if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and cue up our friend Phil's quote for the week, and then Phil, talk. And of course, we're better to jam into the wee hours than Anna. Mm. Well, the birdies do squawk so when they shouldn't. Mm. So again, that, that just for me built so much into the expanded background for Gren, we get, so Gren is bringing guests in to come sit at the bar. They're very obviously regulars. They're coming in because they believe that a musician that they know is going to be coming and performing at Anna's and, and Gren of course knows everything that's going on. And just Gren's entire attitude toward gossip. <laughs> and yes. Because, you know, just based on that scene, on that line, Gren is absolutely the gossip queen. That is their whole domain as, as the maitre d' at Anna's. Totally plugged in. Yeah. Like 100% aware to, the, to a similar level as Anna, who has all these monitors, right? So these are the eyes and ears on the floor. Exactly. If Anna is the eyes, Gren is the ears. I love it. And it's just the confidence in, in Gren's voice. And again, it's a product of Mason Alexander Park, but mm-hmm. it just fits. It's so, it's, it fits well, I think, in the world of Bebop, which is just steeped in confidence in general, mm-hmm. right? Um, so uh, I don't, now I don't remember the sequence. Uh, Josh, if you wouldn't mind bringing up Ricky D's quote for the week, yes. my friend. R- Ricky D's is a little long, so be prepared to read for it. <laughs> Surprise. The vaccine nitrate didn't come from us. You have the paperwork to prove it? You don't believe me? Ask Theodore yourself. Theodore. Yeah, supplies guy, Theodore Clark. Keeps the stock in his freighter a few buildings down. Wait. Are you telling us your bomb guy's name is Teddy? So first off, I'd like to apologize. I'm kind of pushing the definition of one-liner. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but I just really enjoyed this entire segment. Uh, they're going up, they're talking to this guy, and he's kind of treating them like cops. They're like, look, there's this stuff that we need to figure out. We need to go to this part of your property. And the guy's like, nope, everything's fine. Go away. I don't need anybody investigating anything. Everything on this operation is fine. And they go, well, we have this evidence. Do you mind if we do this? Nope, go away. Everything is fine here. I am not missing anything. What if we give you money? Everything's fine here. Go away. And then finally, he just lets out this tiny little piece of information. It's like, his name is Teddy? Okay, uh, we're going to go search your property no matter what you say. We're going to find Teddy, the teddy bear bomber. And you can actually hear the smile in John Cho's voice <laughs> yeah. when when he's saying that line. He I think says, that's the Teddy? best part. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's just, yeah, that moment. I think I saw on Twitter somebody, when the series actually first came out, somebody was like, you know, even in Cowboy Bebop, however many hundreds of years it is, I think it's 150 years basically from now. But he was like, whatever year it is, they're still making Teddy uh, Theodore Kaczynski jokes, right? The Unabomber. <laughs> um, so it's just, it, it fits in every every noir and every crime-based thing. And I, I really do love it. Now, the other thing I love is that uh, that boss is like so bad at his job, right? They go to They show you a couple different ways that that boss is bad at his job. Uh, the first, of course, being he didn't think maybe Teddy was the bomber, and the other being that he has his golf clubs in his office at work just in case, right? I like that. It's a subtle thing, but I like it. Also, he had another, there was another mug in this, and his mug said boss. Um, so, Josh, I believe it is your turn for No Finer One-Liner. Take it away. Cop it! Don't you dare say it! Don't you dare say I told you so! I won't, but I did. You guys are welcome for another cockpit. Yeah. <laughs> I won't, but I did. <laughs> and that's all it is. Like, I just, again, with that, like, communication thing where Spike is like, I did tell you this. He's there. Like, that's where he was. Come on. Yeah. That, it's And it's just, it's something, you know, in all honesty, I picked this line because it's something that I would say to you if I was ever right. (laughs) (laughs) And I would go, I totally see why he said that. (laughs) Um, We're we're having a a moment again in the thirst chat, and now it doesn't even have anything to do with Cowboy Bebop or our show. It's it's purely devolved into a supernatural, destial, fanfic (laughs) uh, circle chat, if you will, ladies and gentlemen, and vampires. Uh... The one true pair, says our oh friend. Oh, my goodness. The chat is going a mile a minute, my friends. Excellent choice, Josh. Again, just so many moments in this episode really point to the relationship between Spike and Jet and how it is it is so well represented, especially based on what we know of them from the anime. Yeah. If you don't mind, my friend, my, my quote. Fearless is dead. I go by Spike Spiegel these days. Pretty short and sweet. Um, to me, that is a that is a Steve Bloom level line. Um, Nails the delivered. delivery. Yeah, mm. the delivery is calm, cool, collected. It's smooth. It's jazzy. It's got butter on top. I just, I can't, I can't get over that. It's it's just well executed. Now, our friend Callie says, now that's one line, Ricky D. I watch and learn. She says, I love that. I, it's, well, it's... I did have that line picked out, but when I went to go put it in our spreadsheet of information, it turned out I had to find a second quote, so I decided to punish everybody. Yeah, you're like, cool, I'll just pick these 85 seconds. No, but it, it, I really appreciate the, the live chat sticking up for me. Uh, our friend Mal says that's like a 007 level line, and I got to agree with that because yeah. it, it is that level of cool. It is that level of smooth and sexy and noir. It's just, it fits. It's everything the o- that's The only thing he up. needed was just a, a glass of some booze, some sort of, some sort of alcohol oh, that was funny you should say that cert. because he specifically asked Anna for a very specific for, kind of yeah, alcohol in yep. that same scene. So, yep. I mean, it fits. Makes it's a, basically, Mal... Good point. It's basically James Bond. I love it's great point. 
Thank you for making that point. Mm-hmm. Now, I... Oh, I'm surprised we didn't get more Felicia Day in any campy sci-fi stuff. By the way, I was, I was, I want to watch Doctor Horrible's sing-along blog. NPH Nathan Fillion, Felicia Day, Drool. That's our friend Roy, the intrepid DM in the chat. Yeah, I mean, Roy, if you've not seen the Guild, I'm sure Roy has seen the Guild personally. I'm gonna just <laughs> throw that out. But our friend Meg agrees with you and says Felicia Day is amazing. I think we all agree on that. Callie D. Uh, if anybody that. wants to see a little bit more sci-fi with Felicia Day, uh, I haven't mentioned the mo- the show Dollhouse, I think, in the last season or so. That's true. But that's another Joss Whedon show. And there's a couple of special episodes that uh, pop up at the end of each season. And Felicia Day is a main character in those episodes. And you get to watch yeah. Alan Tudyk just be creepy instead of charming and hilarious. And s- Did you say Alan Tudyk? Tudyk. That man- has the range that (laughs) I was trying to get past it. I should have muted him. I knew it was coming. All right. All right. Okay. All right. I'm going to blame my uh, friends. (laughs) I'm going to blame this one on Snoop. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I'm, I'm totally good with that. It's really Um, good wine. It really is. (laughs) Now I will also point out that most of this, podcast takes place in Colorado. Now, um, <laughs> those are our weekly segments, and I am very proud of those weekly segments. And I gotta say, before we get to this next thing where we rate this episode, I just want to say thank you so much to the chat. Thank you, Mal, for being here. Thank you, Meg, for being here. Meg, I love you. You know that. You are just my big sister forever in the most beautiful podcasting, Firefly-based way, and I can never thank you enough. I like Meg also, but I would appreciate if she brought Carla. I know, I know, we know. I gotta say thank you to Callie and Rona D in the chat. You ladies are here every week. You mean the world to us. Gotta say thank you to Roy, the intrepid DM in the chat. You are just, you are one of the most supportive people that we've ever met, honestly. Why are you I'm yelling at me, have Meg? You in the network, so. Um, all wine is good wine, Josh. And I think you know the answer to why Meg is yelling at you. Uh, Meg is at least two drinks in. We'll just put it that way. So, my friends, we do have a little bit of business to take care of before we get out of here, okay? Let's give this episode a rating. As is customary, let's have our friend Phil go first. Rate this episode out of 10, my friend. You got to put me on the spot. Uh, I I would call this one a solid 8.5 out of 10. I agree with you 100%. I am going to rectify a mistake that I made. I did not say thank you to Rosie when I was listing all the people. Thank you, Rosie, for being here. We love you. (laughs) More than we can ever tell you. Called One more out. time, Phil. Give me that number one more time. Got to gotta call it an eight and a half. It was very solid. Uh, there's there's a little little room for improvement, but not a lot. Uh, and I got to ask, what is your point five? Because eight to me makes a ton of sense, like super strong. What's the thing that makes you go, but it's a little bit better than that. There's got to be something, right? The end of Teddy Bomber. <laughs> thank you uh honestly just the to... <laughs> i dig it yeah i like no that it lot. was and 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 that we leave it hanging we we leave it just with jet taking off to go get help yeah and it we get it's such a sitcom ending where everything <laughs> we 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 come back to reset the status quo at the beginning of the next episode there's no there's no picking up right back where we left off. It's just, no, no, everything was fine. Yep. What do you want to do this week, Spike? 
Yeah, I, I can, I, I really, really like that. Uh, Ricky D, my friend, give us your rating out of 10. Uh, I'm going to go with eight out of 10. Basically, from what you were saying, it's an extremely strong episode. Uh, it doesn't, <laughs> I don't know, I don't want to give any just generic, it's not great, but it's good. It, it was a really great episode. I loved it. Uh, I feel like I'm going to give eight out of 10 to a lot of these episodes because they're all just stellar episodes. But it, a nine out of 10 is hard to achieve. So eight out of 10, I loved it. Yeah. Breed. Josh, go ahead, my friend. I'm doing a 7.5, and the only reason I'm doing a 7.5, because I had it at 7, but I'm doing a 7.5 because this episode has been incredible. The The live chat has made me cry, <laughs> laugh. I've had to take myself out of the picture to laugh. Like, Literally. When I send you my audio later, you're going to hear me, like, dying in this thing. And and that's why, like, that's why I love this podcast so much. That's why I love doing this so much. That's why I love the chat so much. And the episode for me is a seven, but I'm giving it that point five because it's, this has just been a great experience. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. I I think I'm actually also going to go with a seven point five, um, just because. I mean, I have I had a ton of fun with this episode, and it it really got me ready to watch the rest of it. Um, so my 7.5 comes from, I think, knowing that a lot of what comes after this that was set up by this is kind of like the meat of the show for me. And I really love what comes after this. Not that I don't love this. Um, but as, as a big piece of exposition and setup, I'm going to give it a 7.5, which gives us a total of 31 and a half out of 40, which comes to a 78.7% out of 100 for episode two of cowboy bebop venus pop i think that's pretty good and the now the imdb actually gave it a 6.9 out of 10 so that's fairly fairly close really quick moment just great time to make this this point josh if you haven't and you and like let's say you watched this show and you loved it go to imdb and rate it high go to rotten tomatoes rate it high go to change.org sign the petition go to netflix.com tell them you want season two do whatever you can do because the people that made this poured a ton of love and heart and effort into this thing. And I would love to see where they wanted to go with it personally. And I know that they would love to show us. So if you haven't yet shown your support for this show in some way, please go do it. And I think one of the ways we can do that is to bring the episode by episode ratings up on services like IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes so that when people do go look it up, they go, oh, what? why was this canceled? It seems to be really highly rated, much like another single season space western that we have covered here at sudden but inevitable now i think that basically covers all of our big pieces of business for the evening my friends let's wrap this thing up by asking our friend phil if the good people out there in the chat would like to get more phil in their lives what is the best way for them to do that easiest way come find me on twitter uh i am at flip writer Come listen to me talk about library stuff and anime. And really, what else is there to talk about? So no, I if mean, that really would... covers like 90% of my life. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, library covers like 90% of everything. So that's pretty well done. And I can vouch for, for Phil. I, I follow him on Twitter and he does talk about those things. And it is enjoyable to be a part of. Oh. My friend Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. If the good folks out there are feeling uh, a little, you know, sadomasochism, how can they get more Ricky D in their life? Absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter at Best Flicks Ricky D. 
you can uh, look up my podcast on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, all of those good places. Uh, it's just Best Flicks with Ricky D. I recently did an episode about The Matrix Resurrections, the new Matrix movie. Uh, I had a lot of fun. It wasn't a perfect movie. It was very self-referential and flawed, but it was definitely a very fun movie. Uh, so, And I'm also going to be doing Don't Look Up. I've already recorded that. I just need to release it. So uh, some very new, timely movies to listen to. Uh, best flicks, Ricky D. I really liked your Matrix episode. I especially, personally, really liked the very end of it. I'm not going to spoil it because that would be a, <laughs> a jerk thing to do, but please listen all the way through Ricky D's latest episode of Best Flicks with Ricky D. Josh, my friend, how can folks get more Josh in their days? Uh, you know, we're I'm doing this little show called Quest Me. It's about the book of Boba Fett. We're doing it. Uh, once once a week, every Thursday, we go live at about 7.30 Mountain Time, and then the episodes drop shortly after that. Um, but you can find me on Twitter at Twist My Armcast, Instagram and Facebook, just search Twist My Arm Podcast. Um, and then I do, I think I finally uh, was able to get a new domain name today for tmanetwork.com, and I believe that's where we're headed um, as far as our website goes, so... It's just a it's a matter of time. It's, it takes some time, you know. It's I got a lot of a lot of real life stuff outside of the podcast going on that I got to deal with. So um, slowly but surely, we're gonna have that website up where we're gonna have all of these different shows, um, and I have some some ideas for for some really fun stuff for that website. So I'm excited for you guys all to see it. And I mean, once again, I I gotta say, like, you guys in the chat are the best. Like this, I mean, uh, it's. It's wonderful, and I can't thank you guys enough for coming each and every week to hang out with us and and make us laugh and, and chat with us. So thank thank you guys again so much. Thank you. You guys are the best. You really are, y'all. We need to get you on an episode of Boobs, man. And by I, that, I mean you know, Bed, I, Witter, Behead, for those yes, not in the know. Yes, <laughs> and it's uh, – Meg and I were talking way earlier in this chat about that, so hopefully uh, she DMs me. Just you can go ahead and slide in them DMs, and uh, we'll go. set up a time to to get on the boobs. <laughs> now, Wait. at the risk of seeming, however, this is about to seem, if you need more of me in your life, um, there are a lot of ways that you can do that. The easiest way, of course, is to follow me on Twitter at sudden but. You can follow me on Instagram at sudden but inevitable podcast. If you would like to listen to me talk about something other than Cowboy Bebop or Firefly, I don't know why. First of all. But second of all, you can. I guest a lot on a lot of podcasts. I was recently on a show called Another Time McLeod, which goes through the 1986 classic movie Highlander Minute by Minute. <laughs> I had so much fun on this podcast, and I cannot wait for you all to hear it. It was nothing but a dream, and, and I really would like to go back. Uh, I don't actually know when that one's coming out, but trust me, it is it is going to be a good time. Now, I have also guested on shows like I've Never Seen Trek. I've guested on Green Shirt, a newbie's trek through the next generation. Just follow me on Twitter. Look at where I've been. Listen to those shows. Please help me show those shows that I love them and that I want to bring my listeners with me. Ladies and gentlemen, I think that's basically all we have to cover. I am going to say thank you. From the bottom of my heart, one more time to Meg in the chat, Callie in the chat, Rona in the chat, Rosie in the chat. Best Flicks from Ricky D seems to be in the chat. That's pretty cool. Um, Roy. Roy was in the chat. Roy. I just, 
Thank you all so much for coming with us and for being here, for being part of our found family and for making Sudden But Inevitable as much fun as it absolutely is every single week. Gentlemen, on the screen with me for the sign-off, let's go Phil, Ricky, Josh, myself. So, for Sudden But Inevitable, I have been your Captain Jesse. I am Philip K, a.k.a. Flip Rider. Muted. This is Ricky D from Netflix. Ricky D having to unmute himself. And this is Josh, the head of the Twist My Arm Network, and your forever friend. And if you wouldn't mind, stick around for our very cool new post-credits theme song in the chat. And I would just like to say, see you, legally sanctioned interplanetary vigilante. Thank you for listening to Sudden But Inevitable. Follow us on Twitter at Sudden But. Find us on Instagram at Sudden But Inevitable Podcast. And join the show live in the chat at youtube.com slash twistmyarmpodcast. Sudden But Inevitable is a Twist My Arm podcast. The views and opinions expressed on this show are held solely by those speaking them. And and where I would be if I was being nasty was in the cockpit.